we now know the opening day roster. And if you haven't found out, you will find it in a minute. There are some surprises, and all of them, I would say for the most part, good. So tune in to this episode of Lockdown Guardians as we go deep on the 28-man roster. That's right, I said 28. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So as we stated before, we're going to go deep on the opening day roster. We know what it's going to look like. Now it's probably going to change in the next two weeks. But before we get into all of that, I want to thank you for listening and or watching Lockdown Guardians. Your, uh, thank you for making it your first listen uh, for Lockdown Guardians, wherever it is that you get podcasts every day. We will have content covering your Cleveland Guardians. We talk about the draft. We talk about history. We talk about it all right here on Cleveland Guardians. I am Jeff Ellis. For those who don't know me, uh, I used to be a lead draft and prospect analyst at 24-7 and Scout. Before that, I wrote on Indians Baseball Insider and pretty much every single Cleveland blog there is. Uh, I was talking about my style with someone recently on the show, and I, I'm not the biggest personality. I know. I am no Javi. I am not uh, Javi with Lockdown Padres. Uh, I don't have any of that. If you come to the show, I think you're coming for, and, and by the way, I love Javi. Uh, if anyone hears that and thinks it's anything other, no, like I wish I had Javi's energy. I don't. He's uh, he's a big personality. I love everything he brings. Uh, I'm kind of more the, if you want to know like in-depth data, I am totally here for it. I'll add my own funny and humorous spin when I can. Uh, but I am kind of devoted to making sure that this is a podcast that isn't the hot take cast, that anything I say we can back up and I will stick with that for however long that we do this podcast. Uh, again, I want to thank all of our listeners for rating and reviewing. We're up to 66 subscribers. Let's crack 100 on YouTube. Uh, make sure to do those daily downloads um, and the subscriptions. All that really help show that uh, you know that you like Lockdown Guardians, that you wanted to, uh, that you support the show. That's what you can do to help out with the show. Enough of the mumbo jumbo at the start. I let's get into it. So I don't know if we really say the word drastic surprises. I think the biggest surprise, honestly, for me was that Connor Pilkington made this roster. We'll get into pitchers in a later, later segment on the show. That was the one that surprised me. It was the nice surprises, like, okay, Steve Kwan and Ernie Clement made it. Good. Okay, we got to that point. Brian Lavastida made it. I, you know, we talked about this in depth on Friday's show because it was announced then that Sandy Leon uh, was going to opt out, so we knew that Lavastida would make it. It's an interesting choice. It's not necessarily a good or bad choice. But let's start there. Let's start a catcher. So you have Austin Hedges, who is an elite defender and hits about as well as your average pitcher. And you have Brian Lavasita, who has hit at every level of the minors. Go back and listen to the show from its inception. He was one of my helium candidates when he was a low A guy. Uh, I feel like, you know, uh, we'll see. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. But remember, Lavastida and Cody Morris were those first two dudes I brought up three years ago on this podcast when I was diving through the numbers. Those were the helium guys. And if Cody Morris was healthy, they likely would have both made this roster. But Lavastida is going to be mostly a backup. Uh, He's got to work on his catching game. You know, he's a converted infielder. He's a great athlete. He can really hit. He's going to be, he's not going to see a lot of time. Let's just be honest about that. Uh, It's great that he's there, but he is there because they don't have any choice. The 40-man 
is a disaster. If one wanted to use other colorful language, I would completely understand at this point in time because they have no, uh, you know, they have no room to breathe. There is no room to breathe on this 40 man. And they painted themselves in a corner. When Meili got hurt, Lavastida was their only choice. Because if you add Sande Leon, it's going to be what, like two, three weeks, then you cut him and you're going to lose someone you value during that time. So they didn't really have a choice in this situation. I would still love, love, love to see them upgrade the catching position, uh, the catcher position, I should say, upgrade their catching overall. Hedges is a wonderful defender, but as I've stated, I mean, he's just, guy's got plus power. He just has like a 25 grade uh, hit tool. He cannot consistently make contact and put the ball in play. So, you know, and again, they don't seem... The last guy like Brian Levastida to kind of move through the minors was Eric Haas, and they ended up not holding on to him because they value defense so much. Now, when you look at things like framing metrics, Levastida actually had the best, I believe, of any catcher in the Indians minors a year ago. So there is some hope for him. But I, I do wonder long term, you know, is Levastida going to be someone? Because they don't have anything catching wise. Like this system is utterly barren when it comes to catching. So you got Levastida, you got Naylor, and. Is I mean David Fry you can make a case as their number three catcher who's you know already in his mid twenties and was who they got for JC Mejia. It's this is the worst position in the Cleveland Guardians organization, top to bottom, the weakest position, the place that they have the least to show is catcher, and that's why I've all been for you know if you can trade for Sean Murphy, great. The one downside to trading for Sean Murphy is you're going to trade a lot for him, and he's not going to necessarily be an impact bat. He's going to be a good bat. But I always worry that you set someone like that up a little bit for failure when you trade away a lot of big-name prospects and then you bring a guy in to be league average. Now, league average a catcher is an impact bat for that position. Uh, There are not a lot of league average bats at the catching position, and it would help these also an Ohio kid. But I, I do think that people expect a big trade to bring in a big hitter, and that's not necessarily Murphy. But if not him, I mean, Wilson Contreras, go pay the cost for the rental. Go find, you know, we talked about the Austin Nola uh, potential trade with the Padres. I mean, I, the Padres are going to make a team of only pitchers, apparently. Uh, what a crazy weekend for them. Side note, we'll go off track here. The Hosmer trade made no sense. That's maybe the worst contract in baseball. And then they go out and add Sean Manea when they already had, you know, uh, Chris Paddock. We don't know if he's broken or not. Uh, Dilson Lamette is a start. I don't know what they're going to do with all this starting pitching. Like, you go out and you get a rental in Mejia. It was a pretty cheap price. Like they didn't trade any top 10 prospects in a system that is nowhere near as deep as it once was. So I understand that they got him at a discount. Um, and part of it was that, but now, I mean, they are really up against it in terms of luxury tax, but I got to assume that they're going to try to flip someone else. I, I don't think you get Manea to, uh, to flip him, but I assume that they're going to flip one of their other pitchers. I'm not sure who to try to get an outfielder. So that is certainly something to watch. I have no idea what's going on in San Diego. But that is also why uh, we'll get into a bit. I think San Diego is a sleeper team for a trade with the Guardians. But let's move on. First base, Bobby Bradley. Uh, Bobby Bradley last year showed to be exactly what we assumed he would be. And unfortunately, that is not league average. It's below league average with some very hot streaks. I, it was a position that they should have upgraded, in my opinion, and they did not. And, you know, it seems like they knew they should have upgraded it when they tried to get Matt Olson. Unfortunately, we don't have anything to show for it. And, you know, maybe Bobby Bradley proves me wrong. Maybe I this is a play, time where I have to 
eat humble pie and be like, no, I missed. I completely missed on it. But right now you're putting, you know, one of the offensive positions on this team and penciling a bat that's going to be a below league average. Uh, you know, however much you believe in him or potentially a platoon with him and Yu Chang, well, I, I think what we're seeing is that's not going to be the case. That's not what they're going to run with. We'll get into that in segment two. But you're putting in, again, if Bobby Bradley was the end-all, be-all prospect, if he was someone they felt strongly about, uh, they wouldn't have jerked him around as they have in his time throughout the minors. They know what they have with him. And now you're in this situation where it's like, you didn't do anything, right? And we talk, okay, so diatribe. Uh, the 40-man is a disaster. But is it really? I mean, is it really? Like, is Bobby Bradley really worth keeping is is Mercado and Zimmer really worth keeping you know I've made the case and you're saying hey you always make the case yeah I think Zimmer has trade value get what you can get and move on is basically my point right now Uh, they have a lot of players that feel like below average talent that don't feel like major league talent that are out of options out of time that they're still keeping around so we enter this situation right now where we have this 40-man crunch where Lavastida, who needs reps, isn't going to get reps because you're insisting on holding on to players who aren't, you know, aren't part of this team's future, who appear to be backup types. And that is, you know, frustrating. <laughs> it is very frustrating. So we're going to get into the rest of this. We'll also get into the Jose Ramirez situation. We talk about him in segment two before segment three and pitching. So come back in a moment to hear about infield, talk about Jose Ramirez, talk about the massive leak show that is the Jose Ramirez um, contract extensions. And, uh, you know, in segment three, we'll talk about the contract contract extension that actually happened with Emmanuel Classe. Let's talk about our first fantastic sponsor, Bet Online. So before I get into the ad read here, I am very tempted to go to Bet Online right now myself. Steve Kwan is a plus 5,000 dog for Rookie of the Year. Plus 5,000. He's a dark horse. He should be considered, he's not like one of the top 10 candidates. Uh, it's very, uh, very hard for me to know not go and at least put 20 bucks on him. I have to point that out before I get into this ad read because BetOnline is your number one source for all betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship, odds, podcast, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's talk about the infield here. It's interesting. <laughs> is it safe to say it is interesting? Uh, Yu Chen Chang at second base. Now, I don't know if he is going to be a long-term MLB player. Like I've said that I kind of think, you know, he is maybe second division starter, regular type. Like in, I, I, at one point in time, had him ranked top three, top four prospect in the Guardian system because I thought he had 20, 25 home run power, would walk a decent amount, would strike out a lot, uh, and be an above-average defender at shortstop to average. When you move him off shortstop, it detracts from his value a little bit, and he has not been as strong of a defender as he has gotten older. He's gotten a little bit stronger, which has made the power easier to see. Uh, He's going to finally get an opportunity. Um, I don't have a problem with him playing second base. I was like, okay, if this is how it's going to be, let's see what he can do. You know, everyone talks about that second half. If you are a believer, you're talking about that second half. And (laughs) believers come at me all the time uh, because I'm a little bit lower on him. But, you know, he's not a proven commodity like almost everyone on this team. I mean, there's essentially two proven commodities. And after that, uh, with with the hitters, we're all waiting to see. We're all seeing because in fairness, right, if we are being honest here, 
Uh, Jose Ramirez, Fran Mil Reyes, Emmanuel Clase, Shane Bieber, none of them were top 100 prospects. None of them, I believe, were ever even top three prospects in a national ranking uh, preseason. Uh, it's just the truth of the matter. I mean, some would argue if Bieber hadn't moved so quickly, might he might have been one. But they were all players who were not big names. So if you're going to sit back and judge just based on prospect rankings, this whole team was, I mean, the most successful players were not prospect ranking players. Chang was a guy who at points was ranked. And again, we'll see what he can do. He can definitely handle the position. So can he hit for enough? Is he more in a platoon bat? That's the question. Andreas Jimenez is interesting because people leave him for dead. I mean, that's just a true matter. People, how... It's only been a year. Let's not forget, he was the centerpiece of a Lindor deal. I know a lot of people are like, you know, that was a bad deal. Uh, you know, Lindor was coming off two down years, and it was the COVID season. It was extenuating, extenuating circumstances, which have made people nervous about the Jose Ramirez deal. They could have gotten someone else. They liked Jimenez enough to settle for him, to settle for lesser secondary pieces with him. Like, that is clear. That was the guy they wanted. That was the player they believed in. That is who they wanted to add. Then he was really rough last year, spent a good chunk of the time in the minors. It was kind of a surprise to break camp with the team, honestly, because we all thought they'd do service time manipulation, and they didn't. He has played well. He was played well when he got called up, second half, uh, had a solid spring. I'm curious to see what he can do. I think he's the second best defender at short behind uh, Gabriel Arias, Pri- kind of in that range of, with Brian Rocchio. So... He can definitely handle the position. He's shown a little bit more power. Uh, he's had some good contact rates. There's a lot of positives with him at that position, and he runs pretty well. So I, I'm glad. I don't know why it took this long. We talked about it at the end of last year, and they made that weird announcement about Ahmed Rosario's the shortstop. It's like, why? He's not a shortstop. Uh, instead, now we get the the legit shortstop. We get the player that this organization liked enough to go make that Lindor deal. This is the player that they wanted when they traded a future Hall of Famer who was the face of the franchise. This was the player they wanted in that situation. So when you go out and you get that player, you got to give him an opportunity and you got to believe in him. And here's this chance. This is a chance for them to prove, because let's go back very quickly. I know I'm never going to get through the whole roster with these, um, you know, slight, uh, I cannot think of the, when you go off the beaten path, you know, there's a word for it. Brains, not always there. But you go back and you think about the CC Sabathia deal. You go back, you think about Cliff Lee deal. You go back and you think about every, you know, Clevenger, every big deal. Have the Guardians ever in recent memories come away with nothing? I, it feels like every single time they've landed a all-star or near all-star, um, they've always found value. This isn't a team that whiffs on trades. Like if you're doing a trade whiff, it's always typically a smaller deal or where they got one piece and that piece didn't work out. And that's why they go for quantity over quality often. But this was still the quality in this deal. So before anyone's out there, and yeah, I wanted him to play second base with Arias at shortstop, but don't discount Jimenez. Don't just completely go, this guy is an afterthought. He's just holding it down for the next wave. That is categorically not the case. Like He could win this position and then have it for years to come. Don't sleep on that. Jose Ramirez, you're no doubter at third base. Let's talk about the negotiating in the media. So through the years, I've had friends who are agents. And they'll give you information here or there, always to help their client. And agents are out there to help their client. They're good people. They're trying to make a living and they're trying to make sure their clients get the largest deal possible. 
I have never been a breaker of news, and people I know who break news, for the most part, it's because an agent gives them info, but they also then regurgitate information for an agent. So what we're seeing right now is a lot of people speaking for Jose Ramirez, and the whole thing with Toronto putting on uh, a big pursuit, none of that matters, because as I've stated online many times, guess what? Jose Ramirez's value, barring an injury, does not trade between does not trade does not change between now and the trade deadline. It doesn't. Teams acquire guys for postseason runs. They don't acquire them for June baseball. His value isn't going to change. What could change is desperation. You know, we just talked about the Padres. Remember a year ago, Mackenzie Gore was the top pitching prospect in baseball, and now he is like not even top five for the Padres. I know C.J. Abrams is one of the top 10 prospects in baseball right now. Who knows what he will be valued at midseason if he doesn't perform when given an opportunity. Who knows how desperate A.J. Preller gets come the end of July if he knows his job is on the line and there is no tomorrow. Uh, And remember when there was talk about trying to bring in Manny Machado as a short-term thing because of his uh, relationship slash friendship with like Jose Ramirez and Lindor? I think Machado would be okay with moving to a second base. Uh, if you are adding a Jose Ramirez, I think they find a way to make it work. So before everyone just assuming it's like Toronto or bust, don't discount desperation. Don't discount getting someone like Jake Cronworth potentially back uh, or Cronworth gets moved to an outfield. Don't discount uh, desperation. And remember, San Diego has been their most constant trade partner. At the same time, I still think an extension can happen, but I also don't think there's any push and anything else is just additional pressure And someone's like, well, who cares about the pressure? Obviously, you know, everyone. We saw both sides negotiate in public during the extension or the extension during the lockout, the extended lockout. Maybe I can put it that way. But it it matters. Putting that pressure on was something both sides attempted. So, of course, they're going to do it here. And it doesn't – one has to point out, like, Jose's representation has taken a lot of junk because of the contract he signed. Now, when he signed that contract, it was a very reasonable contract. That is no knock on them. He had not he hadn't broken out yet. The Indians signed him to a reasonable contract for a player who had performed as he had. It's not his agent's fault that the next year is when he turns into an MVP talent. That's not his agent's fault at all. So anyone who's like dinging on those agents because of it are just foolish. That's not their fault. But now they do have some extra pressure on them to really deliver. Uh, we saw the report that essentially the Guardians offered to tag on four years, 80-odd million to the end of his current deal. It, you know, it's a starting offer. It's very low. But, it, you know, I had someone being like, they're not offering anything. I'm like, well, technically speaking, with what's left plus what they're adding on, they're talking about a $100 million contract. So that's something. Now, the talk is that Jose Ramirez's camp wants more, which they should. That's opening. That's your opening offer, and then you meet in the middle. We just learned about all of this with the lockout, did we not? Like, it is the exact same thing to a degree. Both sides are going to come out, and we're going to hopefully see both sides move, 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 and then we'll have a generational talent stay in Cleveland for the first time in my lifetime. It's been 40, and, you know, everyone gets mad at, at Dolan. It's not like the Jacobs kept anyone. All of our stars have always left. All of our stars have always, I, you know, you know what I mean. This has been the story of my life here. There has not been anyone. It's like the closest you get is Omar Vizquel. And he was, you know, he played into his late 30s. And part of that was a contract he had. Part of it was he was not the star, star talent. He was not the MVP level of talent. We've had guys who were legitimate players for top five MVP 
all of them have gone. All of them. You want to change your narrative. You want to change the story in Cleveland. Sign Jose. And again, on a very basic level, when he is the face of your franchise in the middle of a rebrand, he is an MVP Hall of Fame type of talent. Trading him, you can't tell me doesn't affect franchise value. Like I would think that if you were trying to sell this team, keeping a Hall of Fame player, you know, keeping someone that they can use for marketing uh, going forward is valuable. And it just needs to get done. Plain and simply, end of story. An extension needs to get figured out for the sake of every Cleveland fan and for, like, if you're the Dolans, just so you can be like, our, so your legacy is not as bad as it right now is set up to be. It's a bare minimum thing you can do to help make things a little bit better. We're going to take that break, come back, and discuss uh, pitching and segment three here. Our sponsor for this segment is the is BillBar.com, and they have Brownie Batter Puff is back. Right now, they also have Raspberry uh, Cheesecake is back. That is a limited flavor, and that one is currently on sale. Go to BuiltBar.com today. It is what I have every day. I order Built Bar. I have been a constant consumer from the minute they sent us a free sample because it is a delicious tasting product that is also great for you. Low in sugar, high in protein, also high in fiber. We often don't get that in the ad read, but worth pointing out, it has dietary fiber in there as well. Uh, limited release flavors, caramel almond delight, brownie batter, raspberry cheesecake, and ruby chocolate. And right now, I always recommend the churro puff. Remember when you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15. I use that promo code every time I go myself. That is a code I don't just tell you about. It's a code I use when I go to BuiltBar.com uh, to buy their delicious and healthy product. Remember, when you go to BuiltBar.com, that promo code is LOCKED15. And the minute you start using it, you'll start saving up those built bucks. You'll save even more. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15. <laughs> I realized we didn't even talk about the outfield in the last segment. So uh, I got so stuck in everything, uh, the Jose Ramirez of it all, that Steve Kwan made this team. Now, hopefully we are going to see the Rosario Straw Kwan outfield. I don't know how much we're going to see it. Josh Naylor is set to return maybe as early as the 14th. Uh, do they move? I mean... <laughs> Quan makes sense to move down then. You know, he's going to start the year on the, the injured list because I don't think anyone else has an option on this team. Can they work out a trade before then? That might be nice if they could figure out something to do with this outfield. Steve Quan should play every day. He just should. There's no reason to not play him right now. It's not like he is a super young player. Uh, and honestly, it's like he was a sixth or seventh round pick. So if he can finish top two in the MVP voting, or MVP, rookie of the year voting, I should say, you get a bonus first rounder. Now one could argue when you're the Cleveland Guardians, you always, that's kind of why I hated that rule. We talked about before, like Joey Wendell arguably should have been the rookie of the year, you know, outside of anyone not named Otani and he finished fourth because the New York guys got more votes. Like there's, there's always going to be that contingent that makes it harder on the Guardians to actually get someone to finish in the top two. Kwan's 24. You call him up now, you give him your six years. Of, he's going to be 30. He's going to be a five foot nine outfielder that whole time. Those players are always ones the teams are more afraid to give money to. Uh, you know, and he'll turn 25 this season as well. So I'm sorry, when he hits free agency at the end of six years, he'd be 31. There's no reason to, to drag your feet. There's no reason to play those games. Just let him play. I feel like he is going to hit. He is going to be an above average outfielder, which is something. When was the last time they had two above average outfielders? You got to go back to like Michael Brantley. It's been a while. It has been an absolute disaster out there. Miles Straw is going to regress. We know this. He was, he, last year what he did when he came to Cleveland is better than what he's ever done. 
He's going to be a slightly below league average bat, but the defense makes him a starting center fielder. Putting him with Quan and Rosario gives you a chance for three players that are going to bring value to your team. We don't think that, I mean, at this point, you think Zimmer and Mercado are going to do that. Uh, how much you believe in Naylor? That is the question. That's the other thing. Once Naylor's healthy, it's like, does he move to DH and then Fran Mill maybe gets more time in the outfield? Uh, that's the only debate there. Owen Miller and Ernie Clement both make this team. I think it's weird when people talk about, well, you need to have Miller as a backup to Bobby Bradley. Well, if you're going to have Owen Miller on the team, you know, he can play a few spots or Ernie Clement. You can still have Chang be your backup at first. You can have someone as kind of a super utility type. Starting rotation, Bieber, Savali, Plisak, Quantrell. McKenzie right now is the fifth starter, but he's probably going to piggyback. So whichever starter goes the least amount of innings or gets chased early, expect to see McKenzie. It doesn't mean he's going to be in a relief role. It's just the way the calendar is set up that he will start that way. Bullpen-wise, so you got the guys that you had to keep. Logan Allen, Sam Henches. I, you know, I don't... I don't know what future they have. Brian Shaw, the $3 million. And by the way, if you missed it, his incentives are based on appearances. So the Guardians are going to pay him not $3 million. They're probably going to pay him closer to 4 to $5 million this year. Uh, Trevor Steffen, who I think could take a step forward. I've been big on him for a while. Eli Morgan's going to start out of the pen. I'll be curious to see. You know, He's going to be the next guy up when they need a starter. He's also someone who I assume Logan Allen and Eli Morgan and Connor Pilkington are all going to be up for those like piggyback roles in the early season because pitch counts aren't built up. Uh, Class A. So let's talk about the the expansion here quickly at the end of the show. I talked about this very briefly in a lockdown now. You can go check out. But essentially what they do here is they keep costs down and they can keep them in the closer role because we know that arbitration players get more money for saves than anything else if you're a relief pitcher. Like it behooves you to not make a, your best young arm reliever because they get more expensive very quickly. This deal just keeps it constant. And for a player who's going to make league minimum, he gets a $2 million signing bonus, I believe, and then, what, $5 million for the next four years? And then what would be the first two years of free agency for him uh, instead is team options with $2 million buyouts. So he's guaranteed at least $24 million in this contract. Well, or maybe it's, I mean, here's the thing where I don't know buyout math. I'm like, is it $2 million each year? So maybe it's only $22 million guaranteed. Uh, and they can be between 10 to $13 million with escalators. The Guardians locked up one of the best relievers in baseball for the next seven years, right? I believe they had five years of team control left. So the two option years covered the free agency years. If he completely implodes, well, you're going to pay him a pay a lot. You're going to pay him a little bit more than you're probably going to pay Brian Shaw uh, this year. Is that you know? It seems like a pretty good deal to me. And then you can just let cut bait if if it doesn't come together. And if it does come together, come together. Uh, $13 million is not much for an elite reliever, which is what he has shown to be. I think it's a great deal. Uh, what helped them in this is honestly the year he got suspended. It delayed his free, agents, free agency clock. It delayed things. I made him a little bit older. It just set him up uh, in a situation where he's more willing to sign with these extensions. And with the new CBA, they have to do more extensions like this. Players are going to start to shoot up in price. Shane Bieber's making $6 bil- six, not billion, million this year. $6 billion would be... Uh, would be something six million this year he's going to make a lot more next year and that's why like all of a sudden you might see teams trading with like two years of control becoming the norm instead of the exception so the uh, the class a um you know extension is good for the team and you know it's obviously something that class a wanted so it's i will assume it's good for him as well uh it, it is a team friendly deal but just because he is legitimately has a case to be like the best reliever in baseball and the guardians now have him for seven more years <laughs> 
Like that, that's nice, right? Seven years of control. Um, rest of the bullpen: Anthony Ghost, can he be consistent? Nick Sandlin, can he be healthy? Uh, and then Brian Shaw, can he be the guy he was in the first month of last year, or is he going to be the guy he was the rest of the year? I don't know. It'll kind of have to wait and see. But what? how about Connor Pilkington again to come back to him here, making this team? He was someone we debated if he'd make the 40-man. He was the return for Cesar Hernandez, who the White Sox didn't even bother to, you know. The White Sox still have a gap at second base because they traded for Cesar. Then they traded Nick Madrigal, uh, so they didn't have a second baseman. They're going to this season still with a weakness at second base. And Connor Pilkington makes the Guardians team. When that trade happened, I let you know. I was like, hey, he was a guy who had like high first round talk at various times. He's an interesting arm, a perfect fit for the system. And he appears to be showing that by making this roster. Now, the roster will come down. It's at 28. It'll come down to 26 on May 1st. So it's only through April. Uh, it does go up to 29 for doubleheaders. So, you know, someone like Pilkington, especially because we talked about it, unless, you know, um, Henches or Allen are so awful that they set themselves up to be let go. Uh, Pilkington's the only guy with options, so he would be the player who gets sent down to minors, potentially Trevor Steffen, because he survived last year on the 40-man as a Rule 5 pick. So, But those are really your only two players that you have too much of a choice to send down. And then you assume, once Naylor's back, that there's a decent chance Quan unfortunately, goes down. And then when it cuts down, you, you kind of assume maybe Clement um, in a lesser role get sent down but it'll be something to see we we know what opening day roster looks like now um hopefully we'll see an opening day lineup that is one that matches up with everything we want to see please steve kwan can we just get steve kwan in the lineup i don't want this situation like daniel johnson where we call him up at the start of the year uh he gets like 10 at bats and then we don't see him for a year and a half let the young kids play let's see what we have please we know what bradley zimmer is he's a good fifth outfielder he is not a starter we know where Mercado is. He is a good fifth outfielder. He is not a starter. We don't need to carry two fifth outfielders and let them play every day. Let's let the young kids play. Let's see what we have. Because again, Jose Ramirez was not a top prospect. Shane Bieber was not a top prospect. Emmanuel Classe was not a top prospect. Framo Reyes was not a top pl- prospect. Aaron Savale, Zach Plesac. None of the players on this team outside of like Tristan McKenzie. Uh, is McKenzie the only like player who's probably a top 50 prospect on this whole team? Maybe like I'm really right. Ra- uh, Jimenez, Andres Jimenez was as well. Those are your two guys who are high rated pro and, and Ahmad Rosario. I'm sorry. So there's three. Everyone else was kind of lower end. You know, if they made a top 100 list, most of them haven't, but if they did, they were down. So don't get obsessed with like the names, get obsessed with the performance. Don't get obsessed with the tools, get obsessed with what they do. Because right now that's what's going to be important. And it's going to be important to finally see what some of these young players can do. Well, they've been trotting out some of the same unproductive players for the last year to two years. I am Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Guardians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps the show to grow. Uh, I want to again remind you and thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get po- prospects, prospects, wherever you get <laughs> wherever you get podcasts. And go check out our friend Lindsay, who was on Thursday's show on the MLB Prospects podcast, or our good buddy Sully who I've been on his show multiple times over on Locked On MLB. If you want more MLB with the season upon us, now is the time, right? Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate the fan base, your kindness, and all of your work. But remember, you can always help out by subscribing and downloading every day and and, uh, and, uh, subscribing both to the audio and to the visual.
And as we end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.